Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's Word today, just a little bit about myself. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing keys to abundant living. So, if you haven't already, go grab a cup of coffee and join me today as I talk about us choosing to rejoice in the day the Lord has made. And we're going to hit Psalm 118, 24, where it says, We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will make this decision. We will be glad in this day, the day that the Lord has made for us. Every day we're in, the Lord has made, right? Because he's the creator of all things. Whether that day is a good day, whether that day's a bad day, it is the day that the Lord has made. It is the day he has ordained. Our portion becomes, will we rejoice and be glad in it? I want to kind of dive into this whole psalm because it's pretty powerful. But this morning, the Lord spoke this verse to me. This is the day the Lord has made and making it personal. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I wasn't in prayer. I wasn't seeking the Lord. The scripture just randomly came to my mind. And when that happens, I stop and pay attention. If that happens with you, stop and pay attention. Dig in. The Lord's bringing something to your mind for a reason. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to give you direction. Let's not, I think the Lord speaks to all of us much more than we ever realize. And we brush a lot of it off as just our thoughts, but he's trying to lead us down a path, lead us in a direction, something he's trying to show us for ourselves personally or for the greater good, so to speak. So this morning, as clear as day, God brought this scripture to my mind. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. A lot of firmness in that. But let's dig into the whole chapter. And something else I want to recommend to you is read a couple different translations. If you only have one physical Bible, there's so much access on the internet to many different translations. Sometimes I'll read the same verse or the same chapter in seven or eight different translations to really pull from it and see what the Lord is trying to say. It just gives you insight to a different path of it that you may not have seen. If the Lord highlights a particular section of scripture or a particular word in the scripture that you're reading, then he's wanting you to study that out. Get the Greek, get the Hebrew of that word to find out What is the true root meaning of what's being said here? What was God really saying? I don't want man's interpretation. I don't want Linda's interpretation. I don't want the pastor's interpretation or the evangelist or or whoever or the prophet. I want to know what God was saying here if he's highlighting that word to me. And so there's a lot of uh, commentaries, a lot of um, as far as Greek and Hebrew, like Strong's Dictionaries. There's the Blue Letter Bible. That's a huge help. I use that a lot. Um, It gives you like an interlinear definition going to the Greek or the Hebrew specific words in scripture. So as I was reading Psalm 118 today, and I'm going to take a moment and read this to you because a certain phrase in this 
stuck out to me. And this is just how the Lord works with me. Maybe he'll work with you this way. And this is why I'm sharing how he does what he does with me. So that scripture, like I said, came to me, Psalm 118, 24. So it caused me to go open my Bible and look up that verse. Then I decided I'm going to read the whole chapter. And so I start reading Psalm 118, the whole chapter, and the Lord begins to highlight other portions to me. So I'm taking this chapter as a whole of what God's saying. And the neat thing is, it really comes back to everything, at least uh, through me and through this podcast that I believe the Lord's been speaking this year. And the bottom line is, God's got us. And no matter what comes across our path, no matter how it feels, no matter what it seems like, like if you were reading, I would put quotations around that, what it seems like, because God has us. He always has, he does right now, and he always will. Our portion, which if you listened for a little bit, you know I always say we have a portion, and we do. Our portion is to, like Psalm 118.24 says, rejoice in it, trust in it, know, rest, have peace in it. So in Psalm 118, it says, starting at verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Selah right there. Don't let that verse pass you by. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. I mean, we're not going to destroy people, but we will have victory in situations where we were surrounded and either other people or just the enemy was looking to either take us out or disrupt us or distract us. And we will have victory in that. It goes on to say, I mean, it's not good. In verse 12, they surround me like bees. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate bees. Two summers in a row, I was attacked by bees, actually wasps. Consider them the same thing, though. And uh, it wasn't pleasant at all, actually. Last summer was the first summer. It didn't happen to me. But so I get that. Like, they come swarming in. It can be overwhelming. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. I'm on verse 13. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. No matter what man does to you, no matter what they say about you, the Lord is there and he has you. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. 
And actually, I'm going to stop here. That's verse 14. I don't. So this is a song, right? A lot of the Psalms are songs. And this is something really interesting. Jesus sung this song on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was one of the last praises he did. I mean, if this is what Jesus chooses to sing when he knows what's before him, I think we can put some weight, some faith and trust in all that is in this psalm. So the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. And I believe we talked last week about being in right standing with God. That's what righteous is. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly for those that are in right relationship with him. He's just waiting. His, the word says his eyes roam to and fro, just looking for someone to show off on. Just He's just looking for the right heart. So verse 16, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Right? He's, he's corrected. He's rebuked. We all need that in our lives. And if we respond in the right way, when the Lord brings correction to us, we won't be given over to death. The gates of righteousness will be opened. We will praise the Lord and we will triumphantly, valiantly rejoice in the day of the Lord. That's what this is all saying. Verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Uh, what, What is the gate? Receiving that correction from the Lord, which we all need, and responding to it with pure hearts, clean hands, and saying, do what you got to do, God, so I can be who I've got to be and do what I need to do, what you desire me to do. So down to verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And of course, that's Jesus. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There's a point to everything. That Jesus wasn't just crucified just because. He wasn't tortured just because. No matter what the day looks like, it is a day of victory because it's a day of God's purposes being accomplished. Just like the very day Jesus hung on the cross was a day to rejoice. It was the day that the Lord made and it did end in victory. And that's how we have to see things. So going now to verse 25, say now, I pray, O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with the cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And it's interesting, just reading this now, I didn't realize that the very end of that psalm ends with his mercy endures forever. Because that's the phrase as I began to read this chapter that the Lord, I really felt like, was highlighting. His mercy endures forever. Of course, it's repeated over and over again, especially in the first four verses of the chapter. And so I'm like, okay, I've heard that, and I get it to a point, right? We've heard that for years. Oh, you know, the Lord, his mercy endures forever. 
you know, mercy and grace, they follow us everywhere we go. When we hear these phrases, but we don't take revelation in and really grasp the weight of what they're saying. So as this stood out to me this morning, I really wanted to dig in and study it. What is this saying to us? Obviously, it's a staple of this chapter, which is, by the way, the chapter that Jesus himself sang as he's heading to Garden of Gethsemane. It's the very last thing. So this is where his heart's coming from on his day. I would go on to say his worst day, right? But yet the day of the most significant victory. So I will, no, I'm sorry, mercy endures forever. What is that saying? What is it saying? So that mercy endures forever, when you study that out, that basically equals a constant and abiding favor. Just like the abiding favor, the abiding mercy was shown to David, it will surely be shown to us. So, uh, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his constant and abiding favor never ends, right? Let Israel now say, God's constant and abiding favor never ends. Let the house of Aaron now say, his constant and abiding favor never ends. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his constant and abiding favor never ends. That's what we're saying when we're saying his mercy endures forever. So as we read through this whole chapter, we wind it up, we make the conclusion, all of this, and I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. All my enemies throw at me. God's got me. No matter what it looks like, the right hand of the Lord, which is his hand of power and strength, has me. It doesn't matter if bees are swarming around. It doesn't matter that I'm surrounded. It doesn't matter that they push me violently. None of that matters. Why? Because at the end, I'm going to say, you are my God. I will praise you. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to you because you are good, because your constant and abiding favor is forever. And don't miss the whole of that chapter for those that are in right standing with God. We can't ever miss that point. That gets overlooked a lot. And so just a couple other verses I want to just throw in here that kind of line up with the Psalm 118.24. One of them is in Ezra chapter 7, verse 28, probably go before up to verse 27. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem and has extended mercy, continued favor, abiding favor, has extended this mercy to me before the king. So the king can be any decision maker in your life, right? We don't have kings over us, but we have bosses, right? We, you, you have somebody in your life somewhere that you have to answer to. God deals with their heart and you have to trust that. If it seems like they're unrelenting, maybe, just maybe God's pulling a Pharaoh and Moses, and he's hardening their heart intentionally. Or he's going to soften their heart, and he's going to direct it like the water course, and turn it in your direction in favor. So he extends mercy to me 
this is Ezra 7, verse 28, before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes, the decision makers. So I was encouraged, it goes on to say, as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. God has it. God has me. God has you. I want to encourage you to read Psalm 18 in as many translations as you can. And I'm going to close it out this morning with this, or this afternoon, depends on what time you're listening to this. Daniel chapter 1 verse 9. I mean, God just pours his favor all over the place. And we have to remember when, when we are reading these stories in the Bible that, you know, it wasn't, the red carpet wasn't rolled out for anybody. And sometimes we get frustrated. I do too. And it's like, boy, it's just one obstacle after another. It's just, it's always oppressing. It's always pushing, like almost like you're walking against the hard wind. That I mean, one day last week, maybe a couple weeks ago, was so windy in my backyard, it almost knocked me over. So when we're pushing against the wind, that's difficult. But God's favor is on us no matter how surrounded we get. He's either fully God or he's not God at all. And I choose to stand and say, he's fully God. And I don't care what it looks like to me. I've got to step back and find out the truth of this situation. God will tell me. May not be what I want to hear, but he'll tell me. And if I remain in right standing, if I take that correction, I take that rebuke from him, what does that do? Remember what we said that does. What gateway does that open to us, right? It open, it's the gates of righteousness open through our choosing to be chastened, even if it's severe, to walk into that day of victory. So in Daniel 1 verse 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Happened with Esther too. I mean, favor beyond what she should have had. God's going to get us where he wants to get us as long as we keep our hearts right before him. Like we'll find ourselves standing in places that we're wondering how on earth we got there. Even if God's already shown us, we'll end up there. When we end up there, we'll be surprised we got there. And it will be why. Because his mercy endures forever. That's why it will be. His constant and abiding favor. Remember what Psalm 118.6 tells us. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We get caught up in the face before us. We get caught up in the circumstances. And God's like, I've got this already. You just keep yourself in right standing. You just let me show you in this situation what I'm trying to deal with with you. Whether you caused it or not, there's a lot of things that blindside us. There's a lot of things that we didn't cause at all, but yet here we are in those situations. So there's surely something God's trying to work out in us through those situations. So let's just receive the rebuke. Let's receive the chastening of the Lord, even in the situations we didn't cause. There's got to be something of growth in it for us. And as he does that, remember Psalm 118.6 tells us the Lord is for me. What can man do to me? He's for me among all men. Those who take refuge in the Lord and not man, like this chapter even tells us about, don't rely on man, don't do it. 
They're not going to ultimately be able to, even if they're there for you in support, they cannot do for you what God can do for you in one moment. So for us, as we take refuge in the Lord, placing our trust and our hope in him, we have his help, we have his strength, and we are guaranteed his victory. And we will do just as Jesus did. We will say, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. I will lift you above all other things. I will give you thanks because you are good and your constant abiding favor never fails. It never ends. It goes on forever. Your goodness, your kindness, your inclination to move your right hand on behalf of those that are in right standing with you. Thank you for that, Lord. That's what I choose to stand on. That's what I choose to focus on. That's what I will say of the day that the Lord has made. And I will say, I will rejoice in it because if I keep my heart right, His favor is pouring down on me. If you keep your heart right and you choose to rejoice in any day the Lord has made, His constant abiding favor will shower down on you also. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and we will be glad in it.